Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. As you take your seats, you can take out your Bibles. For those of you that were here on Thursday night, I think it bears repeating that uh, we should gather together at first in our time to kind of lay the foundation for why we are doing what we are doing. Paul, as he wrote to the church there in Philippians chapter 4, He reminded us, and notice a word in all of these verses. Anyone see it? What is it, church? Anything. We're to be anxious for nothing. Not be anxious about anything. Amen? Anxiousness is a stirred up condition of heart that causes one often to be irrational. And so Paul reminds us there, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then the result, verse 7, amen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That's the understanding of every doctor, every immunologist, every scientist, every nation, God's knowledge and his wisdom is greater than the combined wisdom of every human being on the planet Earth. It is the peace of God that when you do not resort to anxiousness, but instead go to God, praying and supplicating for his wisdom, that you have his peace. So let's not be anxious for anything. Church, a second thing, and these are the words of Jesus. We should not be prone to worry about, say it with me, church, anything. We shouldn't be prone to worry about anything. Jesus speaking to the disciples, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, and therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat, drink, and he goes on and uses this incredible moment to talk to us seriously about the issue of worry. We should, as the body of Christ, not be worrying about anything. Why? Verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, when you look at things from God's perspective, he's only given us one day to live in. And if you concern yourself with what will happen with the coronavirus tomorrow, or what will happen with regard to a cure next week, or when this will end, or what's going to go on, you will eventually begin to worry. So take it one day at a time. Amen? Calm your hearts. Rest in the Lord. Trust in him. Another thing, we shouldn't be given to cowering in fear about, say it again, anything. God's not given us a spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love, and check this out, a sound mind. We have the capacity to see things correctly, think correctly, understand from God's perspective. And that should cause us to not have the fears that the world has. I totally understand why people who don't know the Lord are afraid of a virus they can't see. Amen? But I do not understand why the children of God, the redeemed of the Lord, the ones whom he has saved us from eternal damnation, why the church should wander around with fearful hearts. We shouldn't be doing that. We don't have a spirit of fear. If God can save us eternally, then what can a virus do to us? Amen? Amen? Think about it. Check this out. God has a plan for anything. Mankind may not. God has a plan for anything that comes his way and everything that comes his way. God never wakes up in the morning and goes, oh man, I didn't see the coronavirus coming. (laughs) Wow, that snuck up on me. No, God absolutely has a plan for this. Now we don't know exactly what he's going to do just yet. But if we trust who he is and what he knows, verse 10, Psalm 33, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. In other words, God's a little above our pay grade, amen? He he knows some things we don't know. He can do some things we can't do. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, and the plans of his heart are to all generations. And then it says what we need to hear as a nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The reason that people are freaked out largely right now is because they are not trusting the Lord. They're wandering around concerned with things that they can do nothing about. Most of you in this room are not immunologists, amen? And if you were, you would probably be like that poor doctor up in Washington State that ended up getting the virus herself and having to stay home for three or four days while the flu worked itself through her body. You see, we face things every day that we cannot do anything about. Every day. Why is this day different? It's not. The difference is, what are you going to do with this day? We're going to gather together and worship the Lord as we always do. And finally, the counsel that you can get from others is helpful. But God always has a plan to get anything and everything done. So not only does he have a plan, he actually can do it. Amen? Listen to counsel, receive instructions. You might be wise. There are many plans in a man's heart, but nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. In other words, it's up to God to take care of this. That's why we want to pray for those doctors that are working on a solution. That's why we want to pray for our president, our Congress, our state house, our state senators, our elected officials, our council members, all of those people, we should be lifting them up in prayer, not condemning the the decisions that they've made, but they don't know everything. And they have limited understanding. God has 
unlimited understanding and unlimited ability to take what he knows and put it into practice in our world. Amen? And to that end, I want to just give you some things that you can take with you. We have this online, but I want to speak to you very specifically for a few moments. Let's be people of prayer and not people of panic. Amen? Amen? I personally, we as a church, have collectively sought the counsel of a ton of doctors, immunologists, attorneys, insurance people. Every single piece of this puzzle, we have sought to get good counsel. And the reason we're here today is nobody has given us a good reason why we shouldn't. Okay, nobody. There's lots of suggestions. The governor gave a suggestion and that's what it is. There is no mandated uh, desire, or no mandated law that's been put forth here in Los Angeles County that we cannot gather together. So we're breaking no law. We're not rejecting the, the government that's been placed over us. But we have sought out counsel. And to that end, we're not canceling church. We're, we're meeting together until the Lord changes it. This is a fluid situation. So it's important that you stay tuned in, check online, make sure you're signed up on our email list, all those kind of things. And here's why. This virus is largely asymptomatic. In other words, it has no symptoms generally for the first two weeks. So even if you had it, you may not know that you have it, and you certainly have no way of knowing whether you do or do not have it. And so because we have no known cases in the South Bay, there's a pretty slim chance that anybody in this room actually has it. Very slim. And if you had it, it's still a flu. Church, it's a flu. And this is not meant to say anything about anyone, but it is a flu. You have a much greater chance of dying in a car accident on the way to church than dying from this virus. That's the truth. And so let's not overreact to something. Let's make sure that we're being reasonable in our thinking. This is not the bubonic plague of the Middle Ages. This is not Ebola, which ravaged Africa. This is not cholera, which we used to have in this country. And it certainly is not cancer. It is a flu. And even in China, where it originated, more than 50% of the people who got it are already well. They just today closed all of the temporary hospitals in China that were set up to deal with the outbreak. It's already happened. And so let's not panic. If you are experiencing symptoms, please, in Jesus' name, stay home. <laughs> Amen? That's the right thing to do. Stay home. Don't come to church. Don't share the love. <laughs> Watch online. We're going to stream every service. We always stream every service. So you can go to ccsouthbay.org forward slash live stream and you can watch any service that you want live. You can be here with us. Steps here at church. And I want to share these things with you because this is important for you. Uh, we have hand sanitizer everywhere. We, we could fill... Uh, the plunge over in Torrance with hand sanitizer. We have so much of it here. So use the hand sanitizer. 
Uh, after every service, we are going to go through and wipe down every hard surface because this virus can last for up to three days on a hard surface. So we're gonna wipe down the backs of all those pews. When you leave, we're gonna have a crew come in, wipe down every single pew. We're gonna do that as long as this lasts. We'll take the extra measures here at church to make sure that we've done our job using antiviral wipes that will take care of all of that, amen? You may have seen people walking around the church wiping every doorknob throughout the time that you've been here already. Why are they doing that? Because we care about you. We, we don't want anyone to get this. So we're gonna kill it, amen? If you have to cough, do so into your sleeve. That's just proper etiquette for coughing in public, amen? So do it into your sleeve. This is an airborne virus. Um, as we do this extra sanitizing, uh, we want to make sure that we've done all that we can. That's why we're not going to meet and greet. That's why we want you to wink in the name of Jesus at each other. <laughs> These things are reasonable. They're reasonable steps. As much as we possibly can, we want to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. And so if we have to split up into smaller groups and be throughout the facility, we'll do that. But we do not see that as a need at this point. And so we're going to continue. For those that are watching online, as you can see, we have a lot of space in the sanctuary where we normally don't have a lot of space in the sanctuary. Amen? So enjoy the extra space in the sanctuary this morning. <laughs> Turn it into good. Amen? Trust in the Lord. To that end, we're going to be taking our tithes and offerings at the end of service because one of the things that we came up with was there is a potential if someone were to be infected, our tithe bags have wooden handles on them and they are lacquered, so they're a hard surface, so we are not passing tithe bags. We're gonna have the ushers at the back of the sanctuary at the doors, each with two buckets. You can just simply deposit your tithe in there for those of you that do that that way. We always encourage you to sign up and do it online and you don't have to write checks or do any of that anyway. But if you're here today, uh, as we pray for the offering, they'll just simply be at the back. You can just deposit on your way through the doors. Amen? Amen. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Amen? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge the Lord and he will guide and direct your paths. And we believe he's doing that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what do we do? What do we do, church? Where is God in a time of crisis? Where is he? Well, from my perspective, he's right where he's always been. He's right here. Amen? He will never leave us, nor will he forsake us, says the Lord. We've gone through so many things. Where was God on September 11th of 2001. He was right there. When terrorists chose to fly planes in the World Trade Center, God was still on the throne. Where was God when a madman knocks out and shoots out a window in a casino in Las Vegas and guns down more than 50 innocent people? He was right there. Where was God at Virginia Tech when a crazy person walks through a campus and shoots innocent students? God was right there. Where was God in Thousand Oaks just last year when a madman opens fire in a nightclub? He's still there. Where was God at Columbine High School? Where was God during the Second World War? Where was God during the Holocaust? 
Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, we've always had reasons, mentally, emotionally, to think that maybe God doesn't care or maybe God has left. Maybe that this situation is so unique that God doesn't have an answer to this problem. God's right where he's always been. He's right where he's always been. He is firmly seated on the throne of heaven and he has your life fully under control. Amen? We believe that, church. If you've been shopping lately, you know that toilet paper Mageddon has happened. <laughs> Amen? When it went into Vons, and there's it, literally an entire, I've never seen such a thing. I've seen this in the old Soviet Union when I was there back in the mid-1980s. I, I walked through stores that had nothing on the shelves. I've never seen it in Torrance. It's like, this is a fairly affluent part of the world. Where's the toilet paper? Right now, bounty is not so bountiful, amen? <laughs> there's, there's some things going on. Horror of horrors. We might have to drink the tap water in Lomita. <laughs> oh, why do I say those things? Because God's still on the throne. Can I remind you, 70 years ago, toilet paper didn't exist. Sears catalog existed. <laughs> Amen? Some of you older folks are going, preach it. <laughs> Hallelujah. They called it an outhouse because you didn't want it in your house. Amen? <laughs> it's good to laugh every once in a while. We're like, ah, toilet paper! <laughs> it's going to be okay. Sometimes the answer is so simple that we refuse to see it. God is still on the throne. Amen? Can I tell you something, church? The world is watching to see what we do. Can I tell you something, church? The world is watching to see what we who say we believe will do. He's looking at you. Your neighbors are looking. You're going to church. You're going to die. <laughs> watching to see what's going to happen. They're watching to see what you're going to do. I want to turn your attention to a time in the history of the children of Israel. And if you'd turn to Isaiah 36, and for sake of time, we're going to abbreviate these passages. You can read the totality of chapter 36 and 37 later, but I want to highlight the situation for you. If you think the coronavirus is bad, let me tune you in to what the children of Israel were facing in Jerusalem. The 10 northern tribes have been wiped out. The Syrian king, the great Syrian king, Sinasherib, has taken captive all 10 northern tribes, Ephraim, who we would call Israel at the time. They're gone. All that's left is the children that are left 
in Jerusalem and in Judah, the southern tribe. So the north is gone, the south is all that's left. They are holed up in Jerusalem. That's where they are. Verse 1, chapter 36, And now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, great King Hezekiah, that Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. So there's your context. The north is already gone. Now every single city in the south has also been taken if it was fortified. The only people left, see it, verse 2, then the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh, which is like a governor, with a great army from Lachish, which is slightly in the north, to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. So it's all that's left. The hope of the people of Israel, all the Jewish people, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob now lies in the inhabitants that are left in Jerusalem. And if you read the rest of this passage, you're going to find that Sennacherib, through this Rabshakeh, this governor, this ruler, mocks God openly. He says, are you kidding me? You think your God's going to preserve you from the great king, Sennacherib? Ah, you're toast. He can't do a thing to preserve you. You think you're going to survive coronavirus? You can't see it. You don't know where it is. It could be on anything. Your neighbor's a carrier. (laughs) Sounds kind of silly in light of what's going on in Jerusalem, amen? And again, I'm not trying to mock. I'm trying to draw your attention to the difference in severity. Verse 7, but if you say to me, we will trust in the Lord our God. Is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar? The church closed its doors. They were about to be completely wiped out. It was looking really grim. No, chapter 37. Won't you see how God responds when God is threatened about what God can and cannot do? And what God does to preserve his people whom he calls his own children. And I think this is important for you today and me today because it sets the stage for a few things I want to say from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 33, Isaiah 37, And therefore, thus says the Lord, concerning the king of Assyria, He ain't coming into the city. He's not coming into the city. Nor shoot an arrow there. Nor come before it with a shield. Nor build up a siege mount against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city and save it. For my own sake and for my servant David's sake, 
Now I want you to see what happens next. Because you see, it looked like the coronavirus. It looked like, it's over. We're all going to die. If you listen to the news right now, I turned on the news on the way to church to kind of see what was going on. Anybody seen the freeway signs that normally tell you how many minutes it is to downtown? (laughs) COVID-19 warning. Stay home. Don't gather in groups. You're all going to die. And yes, I am being a little bit mawkish when I say that because I think it's a radical overreaction to the situation. But this was not a radical overreaction to the situation in Judah. They were dead. The largest army in the world was arrayed against them. They covered Mount Scopus, which is the high ground above the city of David. Here's Jesus' response. Then the angel of the Lord, that is almost always an appearance of the Lord Jesus himself, it is a Christophany, the angel of the Lord, not an angel, the angel of the Lord, went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. And so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. And the next verse says, his sons killed him. Church, God is able to defeat any enemy we have. Amen? That's the history of God's people throughout time. He's able to preserve to the uttermost. And so in this, God has a plan, church. God is the God of comfort. God is not the God of fear. And so if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and a few verses for us, and we'll just highlight some of the things that are found here, things that we need to remember as the church. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of how much comfort, church? All comfort. Every bit of comfort. All the comfort you will ever have of this genuine comfort comes from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's no comfort in the things of this world. There are blessings, certainly. There are good things, absolutely. But true comfort, comfort of heart, comfort of soul, comfort really of mind comes from the king. It is a steadfast, immovable nature that comes to us through Christ. Who comforts us in how much tribulation, church? All, amen? Not some, all. Why? Here it is, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Amen? Do you see the pattern here? There is a God of all comfort. That God of all comfort is able in every situation to bring comfort in any trial. And he does it for a purpose and for a reason. And chief among those is when we come across people who are freaking out because there's no toilet paper in bonds... I literally had a lady in the aisle in front of, she was wigged out. My kids aren't going to be able to eat. And I'm looking around the store and go, man, there's a lot of food in here for starvation to happen. <laughs> now, I didn't say it to her, but, the, but you know what she was after? There was no mac and cheese. 
Now, everybody knows if you have kids, that's like the go-to food, right? It's like you move over one aisle, there's all kinds of things to eat, but we're so prone to freak out. It's like there's no toilet paper, there's no mac and cheese. I actually had to buy the expensive butter this time. It's like freaked me out. With the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. And as for the sufferings of Christ abound as this is the bad news, folks. You're going to suffer when you're in this world. Jesus said it another way. You will have tribulation. But he also said, know this. He gave the good news too. So our consolation also abounds through Christ. So whatever you're abounding in tribulation and trial, you're also going to have abounding consolation on the other side. What a truth. If we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation which is effective for the enduring of the same sufferings for which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, is it, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that you are partakers of suffering. In other words, we know some bad things are going to happen. The apostle Paul is saying, look, church isn't going to be easy. Life isn't going to be easy. Stuff's going to happen. Junk's coming your way is another way to look at it. Coronavirus is going to happen to you. And so also, you will partake of the consolation. In other words, he is the God of all comfort. If you look at these things, Paul begins by saying, look, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that means we can be rejoicing in him being the God of all mercies. He's not going to give us what we deserve. We all deserve to get coronavirus and croak. Okay, that's what we deserve. We deserve to perish eternally and go to hell, actually. But God's not going to give us that. So rest in the fact that he's merciful. Think about it. How has God treated you? He's been merciful, amen? You're still here. We are so blessed, and yet we end up so stressed. And we shouldn't be. I'll tell you, this has not been easy for your pastor. I'm sitting, oh, well, what am I going to do? The church is watching. You know, and the more I thought about it, the more indecisive I got. And I finally just said, Lord, just tell me what to do. And he did. He said, have church, Jeff. Just do it. It'll be okay. I got this. Amen? I want you to notice something. The mercies is plural in this passage. It's not one, God's got one mercy and after you burn it up, it's over. No, he's got mercies for everything. Every last thing we face, there's a merciful God that's got an answer. And it's not going to be what you deserve or have earned. So rest in that. And God is the God of all comfort, church. Not some comfort, Every bit of comfort that you need, God is able to give. But we have to turn to him. We have to remember who he is. We have to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, amen? There's a reason David said that. We can't sit in the seat of the scornful, nor walk on the path of the wicked. If we do that, then we start to think the way they think. We have to walk with God, church. We have to do what the Lord wants us to do. 
His sovereign majesty in the universe is still in control. There's an importance to us giving that comfort that we've received as well. People are going to be looking to you for answers. Why are you not freaked out? Why are you going into bonds and you're buying the expensive butter? You know, my, my country crock is gone. I'm going to have to eat these polyunsaturated fats. When you think about it that way, it does kind of put it into perspective, doesn't it? It's like, oh, that, you know, this isn't the worst thing that can happen to somebody on earth. Church, church, let's take a chill pill, amen? God's got this, amen? We have a God who is there every time we call on him, amen? We have a God who's there every time we need him, amen? And we have a God to turn to when we don't know who to turn to, amen? So rest in that. That way you have comfort for others. You're going to be able to speak into people's lives, go, you know, I'm really not all that worried. And it's not because you have all the answers from the earth. You have an answer from heaven. God's got this. It's going to be okay. This is not going to wipe out the world. It actually doesn't have any potential to wipe out the world. Made a bunch of people sick. It's taken the lives of too many people. But we're faced with that every day for hundreds of different reasons. This is no different. This is just another one of those things that we need to leave in the hands of a loving God. And to that end, God gives comfort through you and through me and through us that we may notice it, be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. People are going to be looking at you going, what, what's up with you? Look, trials are never easy. Crisis is never easy, but it molds and shapes our character, amen? You're walking around. I, we, we made the mistake of attempting to go near Costco yesterday. <laughs> Bad mistake. Then we decided we'd try Sam's Club, also a bad mistake. I'm thinking, you know, it's not going to be that bad. There was a line to get in the store. People were freaking out. Saw this guy come out. He had like a mountain of toilet tissue in his cart, and he's pushing it along like he'd found a gold mine. <laughs> it's like... It was like this crazy thing, man. I'm like, it's like, dude, it's toilet paper. If you need that much, you need to see a doctor. It's like, what is up with that? It's like, come on. It's like, seriously? This is what we're going to worry about in our world. Church, we haven't solved global hunger. We don't, get, we don't have fresh water for people still. Girls are abducted, raped, and murdered in Africa. 
They're sold into sexual slavery in South America and, and in the Near East, here in our country. We have a pornography problem. People are dying from opioid addiction. We have 50,000 homeless people on the streets of L.A., we got some other things that we could be concerned with, but we're not running around buying toilet paper because of homeless people. You understand what I just said? I'm calling us into question about our motivation when it affects us who are doing well. Oh, man, I need more TP. But it went in somebody else who's homeless. Well, we're not quite so motivated. Church, we need to get motivated about giving comfort to others and stop worrying so much about ourselves. Look, the bad news is you're gonna go through stuff. The good news is God's got it in that stuff. And here's what happens, and we'll close with this. There in verses six and seven, you're gonna see something, that this suffering produces fellowship. Isn't that weird? It is so weird. It's like I want to go through the, the aisles in the grocery store and going, how you doing, man? What is up? Go tell people about Jesus and bonds. It's like, you know what? I'm not buying any TP. And they'll go, are you crazy? No, I just know Jesus. And he told me I could actually live without it. <laughs> oh, we have to get to that place to where we're looking at other people's lives and saying, Lord, how can I bless them? And we fellowship together with this comfort. You know, some people think the word fellowship means potluck. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, we're fellowshipping, brother. And like you go there and there's a bunch of people who've like gone into a pizza coma. No, we, we fellowship is this deep and abiding communion that we have with the Lord and with each other because he is our Lord, amen? That's what we're doing today. We're gathering together around the truth and saying, God, use us in this time of crisis. I'm reminded of J.R.R. Tolkien as he wrote Fellowship of the Ring. What a motley crew he put together, amen? You got, you got dwarves and hobbits and... You've got elves, and they're, and they're all running around trying to get the same thing done. Amen? That's who we are. We're the fellowship of the king. We don't all look the same. We don't all have the same resources, but together we are mighty, are we not? We are mighty, church. And we need to take that seriously in this time of crisis. We are mighty. Not because you're mighty or I'm mighty, but together we're mighty because we have the fellowship of the king. And so let's take that out into this world that right now is very scared. For some people, this is the biggest thing they've ever seen. I can honestly say in my lifetime, I've never seen something where people are so freaked out as this. I've never seen it. Not on a personal level to where it just seems like everybody's like, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do. We have the fellowship of the king and his comfort to take to others. Let's do that. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. 
If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.